1: I'm Cindy Candler, and I have served on the session here at First Presbyterian Church. Um, would you please join me in the call to worship? Pilgrims, we are invited to journey through this season of Lent.
2: The one who calls us to
1: Disciples, we walk with Jesus. Wherever he leads us, Blowing our fears, our doubts, our longings, us. Believers, we seek to trust the God who always surprises us. As pilgrims, disciples, disciples, and believers, and believers let, let us now worship God. God.
0: me in your pew bible to john 21 15 through 19 which can be found on page 109 in the new testament listen for and hear the word of god when they had finished breakfast jesus said to simon peter simon son of god do you love me more than these he said to him yes lord you know that i love you jesus said to him feed my lambs Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning and happy Valentine's Day. Our First Presbyterian Church community is in the middle of a sermon series titled Wrestling with God which doesn't immediately evoke images of love on this Valentine's Day. But aren't the ones who love us the most sometimes the ones who challenge us the most, sometimes the ones we wrestle with the most? I know in my own house that's true, particularly with my six-year-old daughter. Though for today, I have a different love story and a different story about wrestling that I would like to share with you that begins a little farther from home. Our love story this morning comes from Kabwe, which is a poor rural village in Zambia. About two hours north of the capital city, you can only get there along rutted dirt roads, and it's rolling hills and agricultural fields when there's enough rain. The pastor of a Zambian church was visited by one of our Presbyterian mission co-workers, and this was the report from our Presbyterian mission worker. She wrote, the pastor of the Zambian church looked at me, smiling, beaming. She said, this harvest, there will be much food. We will not go hungry, and we will have time for other things too. We will have time to enjoy the life that God has given us. Her pride was almost tangible, and her joy was infectious. I looked at her, and then beyond her, past the rough branches, that acted as non-existent walls that were holding up a frayed tarp in this building that they called their church. The sky was clearly visible through the holes in the tarp, a brilliant blue with the clouds fluffy white. This pastor spoke to me again, and then she handed us a report, four pages handwritten, of details about this congregation's local mission projects. Providing food to people living with HIV and AIDS, planting moringa trees to supplement childhood nutrition, doing farming seminars and seed distribution and holistic evangelism programs. It was all there on that four page handwritten report, but it was also there in the faces of the 60 men and women in that church. They were following Jesus' commandment to love their neighbor. Our Presbyterian Mission Workers letter continues, having served churches in the United States for 12 years, I honestly cannot imagine a congregation meeting in a building without walls, with tree branches driven into the dirt to hold up a tarp roof, But instead of this congregation saying, hey, we really need to focus on our building project here before we start working on nutrition or agriculture or HIV AIDS, instead of holding off on this work of love for its community, this congregation has decided that it's okay without walls. For now, they're gonna keep on singing, keep on praising and keep on loving God, and they're gonna keep on caring, keep on feeding and keep on tending to their community. I am hungry for a faith like this, for a church like this, writes our Presbyterian mission worker, where we spend our time, our resources, and our energy on feeding, serving, and loving one another. How's that for a love story on Valentine's Day? I think that this is the kind of love story that we are called to pursue as Christians, but it turns out it's not a revolutionary love story. We read about it in our scripture today as Peter is wrestling with what it means to love God, and here in John 21, wrestling with Jesus in this interaction. This particular story in John 21 is a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus, the last in the Gospel of John, and just before the section that Zoe so beautifully read for us this morning, the disciples had had an unsuccessful night of fishing. As they were coming back to the shore with an empty boat, someone on the shore told them, cast your nets one more time to that side. And they did, and they brought in a huge haul of fish. And so they came in with their boat and their huge haul of fish, and there on the shore was Jesus, after the resurrection, and he had fixed them breakfast. I love that detail. Then we get this wrestling interaction between Jesus and Peter. Do you love me? Jesus asks Peter. This is a very real question, Painful, really, precisely for its reality. You see, just three chapters earlier in John 18, Peter had denied Jesus quite publicly three times, even shouting at Jesus' greatest need that he did not even know him. So Jesus asks Peter this question, do you love me, three times, mirroring Peter's three denials of Jesus. And each time Peter answers in the affirmative, yes, Lord, of course you know me, you know that I love you. But by the third time we read, Peter felt hurt. I struggle with how Peter's hurt could have compared with Jesus' hurt when Peter had denied him three times. But right here, my friends, here's one of the amazing things about this passage and about the God that we serve. We can wrestle with God, we can reject God, we can do it three times like Peter or a hundred times, and God will still love us and invite our love in return. Jesus' forgiveness of Peter in this passage opens the way for Peter to try to be faithful again, a faithful follower of Jesus. Peter failed to love Jesus in a moment of crisis, and now we read that Peter is given yet another chance, invited into the ministry of Jesus. I think that we learned two things about the nature of love from this passage this morning. First, love is rooted in forgiveness. By Christ coming back to Peter, even after Peter had betrayed him so publicly, Christ is showing that forgiveness is a key feature of the love that we're called to. By Christ extending forgiveness to Peter, Peter is then free to love Christ and to love others in return. And each of us is extended that same opportunity every day of our lives. God loves us and offers us grace, which liberates us to love God and to love others more fully and more deeply. All we have to do is follow Peter's example and respond yes, when God says, do you love me? Now, the second thing that we learn about the nature of love from this passage is that the love of God and the love of Jesus cannot be separated from the love of neighbor. How do we love Jesus? Jesus actually answers this question for us in this passage. When he asks Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. Jesus says, feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep and follow me. You see, when, when, when the question Jesus asks Peter of all of us of do you love me, Explicit in the answer to saying yes is action. Love in our Christian faith community is an action verb. We are called to feed, to tend, and to follow Jesus. Christian love calls us into action. Interestingly, each of the answers that Jesus gives Peter calls Peter and calls each of us to a different set of actions. The first time that Jesus asks Peter if he loves him And Peter says, yes, Jesus' instruction is, feed my lambs. I think Jesus' word choice here was quite intentional. Lambs are vulnerable, perhaps the most vulnerable of all animals. Jesus is reminding Peter that to love Jesus is to take care of the most vulnerable and marginalized in society. This harkens back to the more than 50 times in the Old Testament where God calls God's followers to take care of the vulnerable and marginalized, naming them as the widows, the orphans, the strangers, the refugees, the foreigners. And then Jesus picks up the same line of thought in the New Testament when he tells us to feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, and to care for the sick and the stranger. So here in John 21, when Jesus tells Peter to feed my lambs, I think he's reminding Peter and all of us of our collective call to care for the vulnerable and the marginalized, which makes us ask the question, who are the lambs in our current context today? Who are the vulnerable, the outcast, the marginalized? And then we're reminded that to follow Jesus, our call is to take care, to show compassion, And love to those lambs. Now, the second time that Jesus asks Peter, Do you love me? and Peter responds, Yes, Jesus says, Tend my sheep. Now, we've moved here from feed to tend. And I think this is a reminder that ministry cannot just be done within the four walls of the church. Think about a shepherd tending their sheep, they don't get to just stay in one place. We are called, we are being sent as ambassadors and as servants of Christ being asked to go out and tend to God's precious children right here in Atlanta and around the world. We're called to shed the love and light of Christ beyond these doors and walls and into the community and around the world through the work that we're called to do as Peter was called to. Now the third time that Jesus asks Peter if he loves him and Peter says yes, Jesus says, feed my sheep. This evokes classic pastoral imagery and is a reminder that we are called to feed others, both physically and spiritually. Jesus is the great shepherd. And Jesus, in this passage, is preparing to depart and invites Peter and each one of us to take up his shepherd's crook, to become the good shepherd ourselves and to feed God's sheep, both spiritually And physically, in word and in deed. Finally, Jesus closes this passage with the call to follow me. And that, my friends, is the call given to all of us to follow Jesus. Following Jesus does not simply bring about a future promise of eternity with God, it also means paying attention to our world right here and right now and caring for the vulnerable the oppressed, and the marginalized, because by doing so, we are caring for Christ himself. The Christian community that claims to follow Jesus must be engaged in compassionate action with and for others. Now, just after this passage in John 21, we move to the book of Acts, and Jesus ascends back to heaven, leaving Peter and the rest of the disciples to continue Jesus' ministry here on earth. And that same call is extended to God's church in future years, all the way up to the church in Zambia and us. And I think that the church in Zambia has taken this call seriously by loving its community. I believe that First Presbyterian Church also takes this call very seriously by loving its community both here in Atlanta and around the world. And I would encourage you to learn about and get involved in our vital ministries of love and compassion for all of God's precious children. Jesus is no longer here walking the earth. He has passed that ministry on to each of us. We are now the hands and the feet of Jesus in this time and place until Christ comes again. Jesus has asked Peter and each one of us to feed his lambs, to tend his sheep, and to follow him. I think that St. Teresa of Avila captures this spirit best in a prayer that she wrote that I want to share with you in closing. Saint Teresa writes, Christ has no body now on earth but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ can look compassion onto the world. Yours are the feet with which Christ walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which Christ can bless the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes, and you are his body. Christ has no body now on earth, but ours. May it be so. Amen. By proclaiming boldly, yes, Lord, we do. May we remember that by answering this question, each one of us is called to feed God's Lamb, to tend to God's sheep, and to follow Him. And may we all have the courage to remember that we are Christ's hands and feet in this world until He comes again. Resting in that knowledge and inspired to serve, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace today and always. Amen.